This is a podcast by The Straits Times. It is double feature time again. I'm Jonathan Robertson. I'm joined by Joanne So. Hello. 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 Hello is all around. Now, this week we have three epics, each one around the 220 mark, two and a half hour mark. One is a bit more comfortable because it is the king. We also have Midway and Doctor Sleep. And just before we get into the king, I'll just say step on the gas. Gas being Google, Apple, Spotify. If you're listening on any of those, do like, rate, reviewers. Anyway, into the king. Netflix, Netflix pushing the end of year bonanza of wonderful stuff. The king. <laughs> Dolomite is my name. The Irishman. And of course, Vanessa Hudgens doing three roles in The Princess Switch, Switched Again. The king. Mm. Now... I went into this pretty cold. I didn't realize. Uh, this is uh, David Michaud, who has done indie stuff before, like The Rover. I think and, it's more indie stuff, right? Very much indie yeah. stuff, uh, but very well regarded indie mm. stuff. Co writing with Joel Edgerton, who, as we pointed out last time, Uncle Owen from Star Wars, <laughs> although he's done lots of other stuff before. Uh, very prolific writer, it turns out, Joel Edgerton. Yeah, I think he's wrote quite a few with yeah. um, David himself. Yes, so. yeah, that's. Um, well, this is like the old gang getting back together because Robert Pattinson, who was in the Rovo, he's in this one as the Dauphin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a ridiculous French <laughs> So essentially, this is, for all your people who run away from English literature, this is a version of Henry V. A uh, much digestible version. A than much more digestible version starring Timothy Chalamet as Prince Hal stroke Henry V. And Joel Edgerton also stars in this as Falstaff, Sir John Falstaff. Um, how can we put it? The Han Solo stroke Obi-Wan character to Hal's <laughs> Luke Skywalker, <laughs> okay. if you like. He's like a mix of those in that he's a trusted friend mm. and mm. also a wise older advisor. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, Falstaff's like a almost like a Santa Claus character. He's always portrayed as much older, much older. This is, uh, obviously, it's Joel Edgerton, so he's a bit more battle-ready. It's two and a half hours, two, two hours, 20 minutes long. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's on Netflix. Joanne, what did you think of it? Um, it's pretty good, because I was quite impressed by Timothy Chalamet. I wasn't expecting um, much from him, because he's always playing those rebellious, like, druggy kind of role, and then to see, like, you know, him being just another pasty, white, young pop idol suddenly coming into, you know, his role of being your majesty. I was quite impressed by what he can carry off because I think the role suits him well because he was playing this wayward person, right? Mm. Someone who just doesn't care and is rebellious and this prodigal son and suddenly it's like, whoa, he had a new haircut, he put on new clothes and it's like, hey, I'm a, new, I'm a, I'm a king. Yeah, it's a, it's a very fast turnaround in this. There's yeah. no longer a long kind of, mm, should I, should I not? Yeah. The turnaround from reckless Prince Hal to, well, he gets his act together yeah, he gets and suddenly turns quick. up on the battlefield. And, yeah, and, and for one who who doesn't who, who wants peace and everything else suddenly it's like hey it's like let's go to battle and then he yeah of course he had to give this um the the requisite speech before the big huge fight like very brave heart well, yeah. like the, and the oh. famous uh into the breach the big henry v speech yeah. at the battle of ashincourt which is a key thing in the hundred years war history fans um not that you need to know that stuff <laughs> He's really scrawny in this. Yeah, he but is. It it still fits with everything. That I it's, think so. It's not I think about so. how big and yeah. bulky you are. It's quite fascinating that 
his solution to battle is not for all the men to fight in a huge battle and everyone lose their lives. You just you and me find it out, and then if I lose, you, you know, get my hit. You get, you get my, my head. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating film. I think Joel Edgerton is fantastic in it. Timothy Chalamet gets the accent perfectly. Yeah, you didn't know he was American, right? No, <laughs> uh, it, it just found out, and it's like, oh, he is. Yeah, uh, yeah that was. He's you know, really good at it. I'm I'm also quite surprised by our pets, Robert Pattinson. I mean, okay, we had this 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 conversation before about how great or how wonderful an actor he is, or he has become. Yes. And yeah, I would say that I see glimpses of this in this. Of him. I think you need to, be... to watch more of our, our pets because <laughs> I'm he is avoiding. A... No, don't, 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 don't. Embrace the Pattinson. <sighs> he is such a good actor. He's way better than a lot of the films that he's been in. And the lobster, not the lobster, the sorry, the lighthouse. <laughs> it involves a lobster. The lighthouse is getting rave reviews yeah, that, about, okay, as a that's... horror film to watch, and it just looks creepy as anything. I'd have uh, to say, though, his accent in this is borderline comedy. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think his presence and how he carries out the, as playing as the font is borderline co- comedy, but somehow it, it, it sort of works. You get past it. it. It is very much a comic book villain. Ben Mendelsohn seems to be quite sinister in this. Mm. And I think there there is that element of, you know, it, to be in power, you don't necessarily have to be a good guy. Just... Yeah, well, so obviously Ben Mendelsohn is great at playing the villain because he's Ben Mendelsohn and he has that illusion. He always and, plays that guy. Yeah. Considering how long it is, I watched it in one sitting. It's really good. Gripped me all the way through, even though it's two hours, 20 minutes. This was a, a single watch, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. The cinematography is mm. outstanding. This this still feels, even though you get great stuff on Netflix, it still feels like, why is this not in yeah. the cinema? This yeah, could work in the cinema. That's why I thought. I thought it's like, what, it would be interesting to watch this on a big screen. Yeah. So to see how the whole battle, it, it felt a little bit like Braveheart or even the part where um, um, Hell mm. beheaded his so-called friends and cousins. I thought even like that, 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 it felt very cinematic. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the setting and, and all, it, it doesn't feel like a Netflix I'm guessing film. these are done on a much lower budget than, mm. you know, Cinema, yeah, is but done, yeah, but I'm sure there's lower budget, but the the feel, the quality is still there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I I thought it's overall overall it's pretty well done. I would love to see this on a much bigger screen. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, I only <laughs> <laughs> computer screens are like you know only go so big, unfortunately. But yeah, fantastic film, uh, definitely worth the watch. Mm. And then we get into <laughs> another film. So from the king. <laughs> And the Battle of Agincourt to Midway and the Battle of Midway. Out in the cinemas now, it is directed by Roland Emmerich. It depicts a key battle in the history of World War II, or key battle of World War II, full stop. Uh, this came after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which was a surprise attack by the Japanese on US uh, territory, brought the US into the Second World War, and Midway is came soon after, and it was a key point because if they'd lost that the war in the Pacific could have been completely different so it's fascinating sorry I should say (laughs) the actual history of it is fascinating (laughs) because it involves code breaking you know they're trying to break codes to find out you know where are the Japanese going because they can't find out it's down to like 
just a few people with the knowledge of Japanese and how the Japanese Navy worked at that time. And it's just brilliant. You know, just for a sliver of wrong information, everything could have changed. Amazing. And then you get to this film. (laughs) The way you describe uh, it, I've not seen it, but the way you describe it, it sounds so, oh, maybe I should watch it. It should be. It (laughs) absolutely should be. Okay. So it's got a huge cast list. This This is like a big wartime epic. Again, hitting the 220 mark. You've got people like Patrick Wilson, Woody Harrelson, Luke Evans is in it as well, Mandy Moore, Dennis Quaid, Aaron Eckhart. You've even got a Jonas Brother. <laughs> One of the Jonas Brothers. We will call from now on Jonas Brother because, I don't know. <laughs> so you've got a huge cast. And, of course, you've got Ed Screen, who plays Richard Dick Best. The big problem with this film is that it's by Roland Emmerich and it wants to be a melodrama, it wants to be a love story, it wants to be a wartime thriller, and it's none of them because it runs around trying to be all these things, and it dragged, it dragged so bad. The biggest drama in it was when I looked, sneakily looked at my watch. Only an hour? (laughs) Oh, man, there's only an hour. And towards the end, it was like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. It was, it's, it relies on CGI to the extent that you can tell that it's filmed in a very small sound stage where it's meant to be like on an aircraft carrier. Um, it doesn't even look as convincing as Pearl Harbor. The 2001 Pearl Harbor, Michael Bay's mm. huge, you know, I want to be Titanic style epic. Speaking of Pearl Harbor, when I watched a trailer for this midway, I thought it's, it's just like deja vu. It's yeah. like, why are they... Why are we doing this all over again, even up to the bombing yeah. and all? So it's like, okay, the question is, which is better, Pearl Harbor or Midway? I have a real issue with these films in a genuine way that I just think this involves real people. Your, your protagonists kind of get through, but at the same time, real people died in these things mm. and you just made some nonsense of it. And it it's so cliche stacked. It's like a propaganda film from the 50s or something. <laughs> It's so fake. Everything that they say in it is just, oh, he's a, he's a pain in the backside, but he's a great pilot. You know, that kind of begrudging admiration of, of a guy who you wouldn't even bother with most of the time. <laughs> and it's such a cliche. It's, it's stacks of cliches upon stacks of cliches, and none of it is convincing. And the CGI is so poor. Well, as said in the review, the CGI is so poor, they may as well be on unicorns. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, some of it looked like, have they just cut some scenes from Pearl Harbor and put it in this? And bear in mind, Pearl Harbor was 18 years ago <laughs> and no lessons have been learned. And you look at something like Dunkirk, Christopher yeah. Nolan's Dunkirk, and the and the aerial dogfighting in there. And you just think, why have you not learned any lessons? It, Roland Emmerich does stuff like 2012 and Day After Tomorrow and all all these big disaster Mm. movies. And it doesn't matter because they're nonsense. Mm. He plays around, you know, like John Cusack driving a a limo through a (laughs) collapsing building and crashing out (laughs) there. And then, you know, the plane takes off just as the ground falls away from it and all that stuff. It doesn't matter because it's a nonsense. It's fantasy. It matters in this because it's real it was real, and real people were involved. And you should have a bit more respect for these people. It's a key moment. I, I, I've got to say that Patrick Wilson and Woody Harrelson, uh, Atsushi Toyokawa, and Tadanobu Asano, they feel like they're in a slightly different film. They're actually trying to do a more mm. serious film. But even then, the backgrounds behind them are fake. And it, 
you know when that thing is, you can tell the green screen because everyone's got a f- like fuzzy oh, edge no. to them. So often it's there. It's a case of you know that these events happened, but I seriously doubt they happened like that. It doesn't help as well that when you cast, so, I mean, Ed Screen plays Richard Dick best, but I didn't know that it was real. I thought he was like a, one of these amalgam characters, and why would you call him that? But it turns out he is real. Dick Best was real. Mm-hmm. But when you see him at the end, you just say, he looks nothing like the kind of male model looks of Ed Screen. He's, you know, a very regular type of bloke. Nobody looked like what they're meant to look like. Mm-hmm. I think closest is Woody Harrelson as Admiral Nimitz. Weirdly, everyone talks really close to each other, like really close, like all these men talking to each other in very close proximity in a kind of really uncomfortable way. <laughs> <laughs> this is really crossing the bounds of uh, personal space when they talk to each other. It's very strange. Yeah, it's it's a complete nonsense. I, I would not recommend going to see it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the biggest film opening this week is probably Doctor Sleep. Uh, are you a fan of The Shining, Joanne? No. You didn't watch You watched it, though, right? I watched it, but um, I wouldn't say I watched it. I don't know how most of it probably is like, hmm, through Did, my so eyes. You, oh, <laughs> so you found it scary, right? Yeah. Okay. It's a stale. That's why I'm not watching Doctor Sleep. Ah, okay. I, <laughs> I, see, I'm this staying is thing, away though. from all right. horror. Okay, so Doctor Sleep is an odd film in that it's a adaptation of Stephen King's novel, mm. Doctor Sleep, which was a sequel to his novel, The Shining, but it's also a sequel to the film The Shining, which Stephen King didn't like. Oh. So Stephen King is all for Doctor Sleep, apparently. I don't know if that's just publicity or whatever, but Stephen King thinks this is wonderful. The novel Shining and the... The film, The Shining, differed quite drastically. But now they come together here for this adaptation stroke sequel to a film and a book. Is it horror? Sort of. See, the thing about The Shining, which is lauded because it's Stanley Kubrick, The Shining is where you get Steadicam from. Steadicam was pioneered for The Shining. And such an amazing mix of sinister sounds, really abstract spindly noise that just cracks yeah. the, the atmosphere it's, it's it's a film that you know you don't watch it but when you hear it you just get a goosebumps. you know what it is <laughs> yeah. and of course really iconic moments like the lifts opening and blood cascading out which was just the trailer for the shining so the story is that the other thing with this Kubrick's thing is that the supernatural thing was there but it wasn't front and center yep. It wasn't like a superpower thing. It was more of a semi-haunting thing. So I I was never really scared by it. It's just, it. he plays with unnerving. It's not like, oh, that's the most shocking thing ever. And it's, oh, I'm so scared. Not for me anyway. <laughs> um, but it's just more the visuals that kind of unnerved you. And yeah, it. it's not so, it's more sort yeah. of a jump scare kind of. Yeah, tactic. so it's more of a tension builder there. That's similar with this film. So young Danny Torrance after the events at the hotel but he's still haunted by the spirits from the hotel because he has this shining this empathic ability <laughs> telepathic ability um so that's happening with him and then cut to 40 years later he's turned into ewan mcgregor and he is a complete mess <laughs> he's kind of using his shining ability to just uh, pick up women in bars and stuff like that <laughs> but otherwise his complete wreck is an alcoholic and 
ends up in this small town where he's taken on the wing of Cliff Curtis, who last time we saw was The Rock's brother in Hobbs and Shaw. Yep, yep. He gets him clean. He gets a job at a hospice where he then finds that his ability to read people helps the patients there to, to die in peace. Oh. This is where he gets the name Dr. Sleep. Elsewhere in the world, there is a young girl called Abra Stone who has developed similar shining abilities, and she is way powerful. Elsewhere in the world, there is light of my life, Rebecca Ferguson, and her <laughs> group, and they travel around, but they feed off the abilities of children with the shining. Every time that you die a bit, you release this steam and they feed off the steam so what they do is kill these children drag them off and kill them and feed off the steam they get wind of abra oh <gasps> this is the biggest one yet rebecca ferguson light of my life <laughs> uh, be still my beating heart it's it's very difficult when you think oh you're so evil but at the same time hello <laughs> Uh, she's basically dressed as evil Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. She She's called Rose the Hat. She has this hat on all the time. Yeah, that's by her <laughs> kind of gig. And these kind of travellers, so there's a guy who looks like, he's called Crow Daddy. And my description <laughs> of him is Johnny Depp as he would really look. So if Johnny Depp aged normally, he'd look like Crow Daddy. Fitting name. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, Abra has been communicating with Danny you McGregor. Mm. Across many hundreds of miles, she's been drawing on his uh, chalkboard wall. Now, why he hasn't quite <laughs> f- worked out who she is before now, I don't know. <laughs> but he decides to become her protector, and that's where it all goes from there. You know, what? It, it sounds like it's a, a, a deranged version of X-Men. <laughs> that is probably a very... See, this is where it's different. It's like there was a film called... Uh, 2010, which is a sequel to 2001. And that kind of filled in some bits, but it was a much more pop take on 2001. So it was much faster moving and, you know, people say, oh, it's not as good. Well, no, it's not as good as the Kubrick first film, but it's not too bad and it fills some stuff in. And that's where Doctor Sleep comes in. It's much more superpowers, (laughs) like X-Men. You know, it's a young kid with superpowers suddenly (laughs) having to fight them off and then, you know, Ewan McGregor's got his superpowers and he's got to rebuild them again. Problem is, it's never really that scary. And also, the version here is NC-16. It's R in America, and that means that sometimes there are some very silly bits of blurring in this because uh, there's a recurring thing from The Shining of the woman in the bath, Mm. the creepy old hag who gets up, and of course, she's got no clothes on. Mm. But why you have to blur her nether regions... It's very obvious, and <laughs> you have to wonder why. To blur them suggests in some way someone would find that arousing? <laughs> I mean, you talk about a zombie. And, it, yeah, you just go, really? Really? <laughs> you know, I'm sure if you didn't, nobody would really bother because it's not like, oh, don't look at that. It's bizarre. <laughs> But at the same time, it's it's not very high on the scares. It's a bit more sinister, but it doesn't quite hit the notes of the Kubrick original. This is directed by Mike Flanagan, who did the Netflix House on Haunted Hill, which is really, really good. That was sinister, and that was chilling. And he also did Gerald's Game, which is a Stephen King adaptation, also for Netflix, I think. That had a quite a horrible bit where there's what you call a degloving where the skin comes off. There's a bit of that in this. So there's a bit of in it, 
but there's no like sudden jump scares. It doesn't rely on jump scares. Some of the characterization goes a bit away, and it's a bit weird that a film in which a young child is tortured and killed isn't that scary. And of course, I mean, my big bugbear at the moment is knowing winks to the audience to say, "Hey, do you get that reference? Did you get yeah. that reference?" And there was one bit I came close to swearing out loud. I didn't because strangers were around. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a bit where he goes to meet the doctor to get his job at the hospice. And the doctor's room is a carbon copy, lighting everything, clothing and everything, of the room in which Jack Nicholson is in when he gets the job at the Overlook Hotel. It's exactly the same. At which point I was just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a a cutesy wink that was totally unnecessary especially when the third part of this film is set in the Overlook Hotel again they go back to the Mm -hmm. Overlook Hotel so there's loads of references in fact the journey up there is a bit fake CGI and it reminded me more of did you watch Ready Player One where they go to The Shining Uh, yeah yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. it felt like that because it's just like oh look I've I've recreated this everyone aren't I so would people get this film if they have not watched The Shining I think so yeah it, it works by itself because everything's mm. quite explained. Um, there's some odd recreations. The the references get a bit cutesy sometimes and it's like, yeah, we get it. I know they've got to go back to Overlook Hotel at the yeah. end, but you don't have to do so much of a nod and a wink to Kubrick all the time. It gets a bit tired. No, I think I think the whole thing is like they're selling based on The Shining so for this. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, if yeah. I, I think it might... It may work better if it's just a standalone, say, Doctor Sleep. It don't. I mean, if people reference to The Shining towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that it's a continuous issue of The Shining. And yes, you've got to go to the Overlook Hotel, but so you, I mean, it's on the poster. You McGregor looking through the crack in the door that Jack Nicholson mm, looked through. Mm. Yeah, do you really? I mean, there's lots to enjoy in this. I think this is one of my favourite Ewan McGregor performances, and I'm not a huge fan of his. It's captivating, and you want to watch him. Hmm. But Abra, who is played by Kylie Curran, she is brilliant. Future star. According to IMDb, this is only her second role. Oh. You will not credit that it's the second role. She holds her own against all these other veteran actors. Hmm. Fearless. So you've got Ewan McGregor, being great, Kylie Curran being great, Robo Fosen, sure. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was just too distracted. <laughs> yeah, I mean that whole side of it, it, it doesn't quite come together in the end. And it, yeah, like you say, it's a bit X Men. Yeah, it's two and a half hours. But at the same time, the audience that I saw it with, nobody seemed particularly bored. It goes along at a clip. It does not feel like two and a half hours. Okay, that's good. So, The King doesn't feel like two and a half hours. Nope. Doctor Sleep did not feel like two and a half hours at all, which is pretty good. I've got to say, mm. despite me swearing at it in various places, <laughs> Midway feels <laughs> like five. <laughs> it's a long battle. Hey, oh, why did they do it like that? I, I'm just, it, it perplexes me why someone said, yeah, okay, let, let's get that guy to do an honest recreation of a key moment in our history. <laughs> Well, if they can, given the, the, the thing to Michael Bay, so why not roll it? That was 18 years ago. <laughs> and Pearl Harbor is notorious <laughs> as being terrible. It, and it is terrible. There's so much inaccuracy in it. I don't even know if the accuracy is there in Midway. The way it's presented just feels so fake. Uh, 
No, sorry, sorry, enough midway. Anyway, that's where we'll <laughs> leave it for now. That was a bit of an epic. Uh, three epics in one epic podcast. <laughs> Join us again next week for Ford versus Ferrari and possibly Charlie's Angels. We'll see. <laughs> so thank you, Joanna, for putting up with listening to me for this long. You're welcome. Same goes for you at home. <laughs> and until another double feature next time, goodbye. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.